Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Uh, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating, if you think we deserve it, on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And don't forget to tell a friend. Thank you, everyone. Your support means the world to us. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. In St. Helena, California, uh, Emily is my sister over here. and Stuart is my brother. That's how those and things work. And this is the Radio Keys Rock and Roll Review. I think we're on episode and eight. we are Radio Keys, plus two other people that are not here. We don't have four mics, so here we are yeah, with here we half are. the band. We're trying to figure out the four <laughs> mic thing so then we can just all talk over each other incessantly. Yeah, I don't always love podcasts where there's... <laughs> More than two people because it is a lot of talking over. Let's each just other. keep telling them that too. Yeah, we'll be like, oh, we don't have we don't three have or four, we don't microphones. Have four microphones. We don't have the input. Sorry, guys, you can't be on the Sorry. shadow government. Though we know what's going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but we did just have a band, uh, a little mini band retreat, which was pretty fun. Do you mean our uh, our gig? No, no, not the gig. The we just had Alante over oh, here in the same Oh, a retreat, Lena. as in like a yeah, that's, a retreat. I thought you meant a mini band, like we're the mini version of the band. Oh Never, no, we did no, that my too. Brain yeah, did we did that thing. too. Yeah, we did a two-piece gig on Friday night in Berkeley. That was a lot of fun. It was three hours, and we didn't know walking in if we had three hours of music, but <laughs> we walked out having played <laughs> just barely three hours of music. I think we stopped at like. 8.57. We and I figured was like, it out. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we got nothing else. We had like a real bummer situation where we like showed up and uh, this lady was like, oh no, you guys are playing acoustic because we brought, we brought like the entire PA system. Right. She's like, no, 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 no. She You're said, playing- what is that? What are those? What are those speakers? This is supposed to be acoustic. And, and we're, we're like, like, we are um, acoustic. We're like showing her, like gesturing to our acoustic guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But it, it all worked out. It all worked out. Um, In the end, yeah. Shout out to Erin. She was super awesome. Uh, donkey yeah. and goat. Uh, Winery. Head, she just seems like the uh, head honcho over there. Like, yeah. She was walking around. She knew yeah. what was going on. She was orchestrating things. Just pointing at underlings. Keep, yeah, left just and pointing right, at yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> snapping a lot. Snapping and pointing. She was very, <laughs> no, she was very cool and uh, very calm. Like, I come from hospitality you know, I waited just forever and now I'm in hospitality still. And it's like, I really respect anybody who in a high stress like event job like that, where there's like a hundred guests there and you're in charge are just cool as a cucumber. Yeah, no, she was I great. can't, yeah, I can't stand the people that like get all stressed out. And it's like, no, there's no reason to be stressed out. You're just gonna make it worse. But so, it was a it was fun a throwback. Gig. Like at first there weren't many people there at all. So Emily and I were like, oh, is this what it's going to be like? So we kind of just started uh, yeah, our having f- a lot of fun with it. Like we yeah. were just kind of like, giggling having the giggle fits because we were like it was like an inside joke you know almost <laughs> but then uh as the the second set came like a bunch of friends came yeah. and some surprise wine friends. club people yeah surprise friends wine club people came and next thing you know uh luckily that same attitude like translated to the rest of the set and it was just a really fun time yeah and we played we when we started it was six to nine we played and when we started right at six there were probably like three people in the room just chatting amongst themselves and i was like let's just play 
all the songs we're not looking forward to oh. first, like all the slow kind of awkward ones that we might mess up that we haven't played in a while or whatever. So we just got those out of the way. And so by the time people were coming in, we just had a bunch of bangers. Yeah, we dragged up. those carcasses out of the... We really did. And you, of, t- <laughs> you turned to me after Out of the we, Radio Kids graveyard and we played them. <laughs> after we did Stay the... Stay. Oh, oh I wanted to quit yeah, music after just, that. <laughs> A little bit longer. And Stuart does the falsetto part. Stuart turned me after that and he was like, we're never playing that song again. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it went that badly. I thought you were tripping, but... No, we're never playing it again. Never. But yeah, then we had a little Radio Keys retreat because Alante came up to St. Helena and Tommy had Saturday night off. And so the four of us, um, yeah... Just did some drinking and some chatting and talked about music and got real hyped up on our band. We did. <laughs> we did. Yeah, it was it was a good time. It's good to do that. I like it when everybody stayed the night my in my tiny little apartment. That was a nice little. Yeah, you have to. It's pretty much impossible yeah. to to drive home after a night in Saint Helena because, I mean, it's an hour away from everything. Yeah, Alante's <clears throat> probably ninety minutes out, and he said I make. Uh, he said you make the most comfortable. Uh, couch bed couch beds yeah and i do i i put a lot of love and care into it so i was glad that he, <laughs> he slept well yeah you um, do make comfortable couch beds for sure yeah. i've slept on them many many times we are super excited uh this week we've been the, since this guy was one of the first guys like so i did an episode by myself before i realized it would be infinitely better to do it with you Aww, like literally the day nice yeah but the, the day before i came out here to record it with you and at, at first, like in my mind, I was like, Emily will just be a guest. But like, obviously, wow. I was just, now, I I'm, now I'm mad. No, I'm I know. <laughs> but I was so charming right away. And I was like, God, she's so charming right away. <laughs> no, she. So the first guy I did this uh, episode of like by myself and it'll never see the light of day was the guy we're doing today. And we <laughs> finally got his permission to do it. And it's uh, Charlie Crockett. To play his songs, yeah. Charlie yeah. Crockett. And you, Charlie Crockett. I think when you came up with the idea of the podcast, he was like one of the first names you threw at me. You're like, hey, we like to uncover these really underground bands like Christopher Denny, like Charlie Crockett, who people need to hear. And like, let's, let's, let's just, yeah, spread the love. Totally. Yeah, on our tiny platform, whatever. And I was, and I was just also like <laughs> halfway worried that he would just be too huge to do in like months. He's blowing up. Yeah, I know. It's so exciting. He's coming on the up. Um, I heard him on like a, maybe like I was listening to like Leon Bridges Spotify or something a while yeah. back and he came up and his voice is very memorable. Um, well, he's homies with Leon. I know they're friends. Yeah, they're that homies. makes me so There's happy. so many pictures of them together. They like both came out of Texas. So they have like that. That Texas camaraderie Dallas that they have. And Fort Worth, right? So yeah, yeah, that's that's really exciting. And um Absolutely. Yeah, so we're gonna dive into him. We um, get to dive into Charlie Crockett. Charlie Crockett. So he was so originally he was born in San Benito, Texas, which is like this tiny, tiny little town. Um super south, right? What, it's south super of Houston, south. like I wanna say like eight hours south of Houston. Which is well, he's got that song lyric. I come from the Gulf, where even Houston is a way up north. Yeah, <laughs> and then I had to like Google Map and look at everything, <laughs> see the yeah, visual like, of it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, so it's a <laughs> town of twenty four thousand people. Uh, like we said on the, I think they call it the Gulf Coast. Uh, that yeah, might be yeah, is yeah, that yeah. real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, it was kind of rural. On the Gulf Coast, and uh, as I'm looking at this map, it looks like it's almost like right on the border of Mexico, 
which is, you know, obviously way down there. Yeah. And his mom, so he was raised by a single mom, and she was a singer? Was I getting that right? I read that in a few... Um, you know, I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that. Not I didn't 100%. see that. Yeah, I, didn't I think see I saw that. that in one of the articles or anyway, she did get him his first guitar at a pawn shop, like that a little nice pawn shop. Her. And he said he, it was a ho- honer and I was yeah. thinking, "Oh, I have a honer harmonica, so maybe it's the same." Gotta I didn't know be. they made guitars, but yeah, it's that was be. his first guitar. Um yeah. Yeah, he, he grew up in San Benito where the it's the same hometown as this uh I think it's like a Tex-Mex uh Tejano. Superstar. Tejano, Superstar, yeah. um, Freddie Fender. Yeah, um, he was I mean, I had never of heard of Freddie Fender, but apparently he's a big deal. So Yeah. Well, Freddie Fender is... was like the only, maybe the only other guy from this town. But, you know, he comes from a, a super uh, Latino population. Apparently it's like, he says in his words, it's like 90% Latino yeah. back there. And he's actually. Which makes for a really vibrant culture. Yeah, and um, he's actually mixed race yeah. himself. I think his father was black and his mom is white. But, uh. He he just lives and breathes music, and you can tell that. Yeah, he pounds through. the pavement with it. Oh my too. god, he <laughs> he's is, so productive. So not only does he has like we just listened to a, a podcast with him in it actually, and um, he was just he just has so much knowledge of the area's music, like the area's history, like Deep Ellum, Texas. Yeah. And uh, San Benito, Texas, and Dallas, Houston. Well, so many. So the podcast we listened to today was uh walking the floor with chris shiflett and walking the floor uh charlie crockett does that song but it's like an old yeah. school I think there's like I there's think it's so like, many versions of it it's insane. yeah it's like yeah. one of those old sayings that just gets resuscitated over and over again but yeah he's talking about he talks about texas a lot i like the way he talks about texas because he's saying you know texas has this really it's it's big, yeah. <laughs> but um, it it has this kind of, it's extremely like it has a lot of extremely troubling history, and to this day, I mean, we still got all the Ted Cruz weirdos out there. It still has a lot <laughs> of that, like where it's just kind of this strange dichotomy. Yeah. But then what blossoms out of that is like this amazing diversity and like the arts and yeah, yeah all that. So he's talking about specifically um Dallas. So, uh, he says um. So he starts naming all these old blues guys who came up in Texas that I was just like, how are they all from the same neighborhood? Yeah, and that's, and that's a deep ellum. I'll quote him. He says, yeah. um, Dallas was really one of the most important cities in the world in the history of blues because deep ellum was the first black commercial district in the state of Texas. And it's in it's in, it's like near Dallas or in Dallas? Is that? It's in Dallas. It's a neighborhood, right? Yeah, we're Californian, so we're and, like... Uh, he, <laughs> we're says, uh, he says, let me name the people that played on the streets. We're talking about Robert Johnson. Lightning Hopkins, T-Bone Walker, Blind Lemon Jefferson, Lead Belly, Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey, Washington Phillips, yeah. Bob Wills. Like, There's some Hall of Famers. He said, so, yeah, he said yeah. Deep Ellum was that place where the European and black and Latino worlds converged. And I was, I was never heard of that. I, I had no idea they were all from the same place. No idea. I was just no like, no, some of them have got to be from Memphis. Some of them have got to be from like, uh, yeah, I just had no idea. So... Um, yeah, I thought that was a super interesting part of the interview because then he was talking about how he used to play in Dallas and he would play like he would play like morning gigs in, in Deep Ellum and yeah. he would cruise out to some beer bar he was talking about. Yeah. And that's like, I guess, you know, kind of like a <clears throat> I, I think it used to be just kind of like a dive bar type situation. But now he was yeah. saying like there's some now of these like micro breweries and like craft brewery places. Yeah. And then he'd do that in the afternoon. Then he'd cruise back over to Deep Ellum and play a third set. 
And he's like, oh, I miss those days because I was just playing all the time. I'm like, dude, how much more do you need to play? Like, this guy is literally like the, the hardest working guy that I've seen in, yeah. in our niche of the music world. He's like, he's come out with four albums. Five. Five albums total, total, but four in the past three years. Yeah. So two years, actually. He had two come out in 2018. One two, yeah, 2017 and late 2016. Yeah. So two, three years. I mean, we're not math majors here, but... but that i mean that's a shit ton of albums so yeah and he he um and he's just touring constantly too yeah well i mean to get into his like background a little bit like i i'm so fascinated with the fact that like he really like basically the timeline i have in my brain is like his mom gave him that guitar from the pawn shop and then he just started like kind of learning it and then started to play it outside um and uh kind of ended up so he was growing up in texas he ended up in new orleans with like what an uncle or something like that and um and just started playing in the yeah yeah no he, he got sent away not sent away that might not be the right word but he was sent to I live with, just, with his uncle maybe yeah. to, to have like a male uh or they just money shit i, it I don't could know be money i mean i don't want to speculate but I, I it could probably i mean i guess i am speculating but i think he, I think he said it was like to have a male like role model in his that, life. That maybe. would make sense. And I know his mom. You know, she had three. I think he was the youngest of three, and the other two weren't doing as well. So maybe she kind of was like, if I send him away, he'll have a. I'm just speculating. I have yeah. no idea. But so he ended up, um, yeah, just like playing street corners in New Orleans and hitchhiking around and like playing in the streets. And uh, he ends up in the streets of Paris, and then he ends up in the New York City subway, and he plays in the New York City subway. And yeah. They, so they wait, s- I want to go back to the sorry, go yeah, to go the back. New Orleans thing real New quick. Orleans. So he claims Texas like hard. Oh yeah. But he also claims Louisiana and New Orleans hard. Like it, when I went to go see him in Petaluma, like he has this uh, this big ass like Texas like uh, logo. Yeah. And it's basically cool. putting together Texas with Louisiana. Yeah. So it like melts the two states together. And that's like his symbol for when he was. There's a he has a lyric in a song, too. I think it's um, Lonesome as a Shadow. He says, um, I went down to Texas with Louisiana always on my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he's constantly talking about those two. And um, what great places to come up as playing music. I mean. Well, he has like that kind of Tejano feel because he he has a lot of accordion music in his. Uh, I I don't want to call. Is it mariachi? Like when they have like you know Mexican music has a lot of accordion in it. So yeah. So like he, I think he's got influence from that, like being from oh, yeah. deep South Texas, Gulf yeah, Coast, yeah. and then he has like the horn stuff that you'll hear. That's, that's kind that of like New that's Orleans. some New Orleans yeah. stuff. But then he has this soul and blues feel too, which is you know, more maybe, maybe Dallas and. Yeah. And you know what he said, a little snippet of what he said um, that I thought was so interesting. He was talking about, um, cause he grew up on definitely some hip hop and he says about hip hop, he's like, there's, there's a lot of great hip hop and there's a lot of garbage hip hop. But he was saying that um, he found some of his favorite like soul singers or songs from hip hop uh, samples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like he, Curtis that, Mayfield. He's, he's yeah, like, those B- people Bill are Withers, sampled. Yeah. yeah, Bill Withers. Oh, he doesn't name Bill Withers, but that's the first thing that came uh-huh. to mind is I was like, oh, yeah. And like, it's like now, it had to have been No Diggity by Blackstreet, yeah. right? <laughs> well, like recently, didn't they do that? Um, Sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. That, like that um, uh, Etta James song. And then mm-hmm. suddenly everyone's like, oh, I know that song. Because I used to, um, 
cover that song, Something's Got a Hold on Me, yeah. And then it was in a hip hop sample, and it was like, oh, now everybody. Anyway, just pulls up. Um, you're like, can't do it. Can't do this song anymore. Too popular. Kind of, kind of bummed me out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone uh, expects you to drop bars like right after. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, there's certain covers. It's just like, why am I even? T- I was just a young singer trying to figure out what I could play, and the band would be like, do you know Etta James? And I'm like, yeah. And I just, oh, what a mistake. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, you cut your teeth. Well, um, hip-hop was something that I think was kind of, like you were mentioning, is his gateway maybe not only to soul music, yeah. but also maybe to music in general. It sounds like he like grew up listening to a lot of hip-hop. Oh, yeah. And then maybe, I mean, well, we kind of choose when he's probably around our age, right? Uh, I think he's like 34, 35. So he's a l- little older than us. and like Last I checked, he was 34. We were, you're kind of like beholden to what's playing on the radio. Totally. And what your parents are playing growing totally. up. And what's so. in your in your neighborhood or whatever's going on. And when he gets discovered in New York City not to jump ahead, you know, he used to jump on trains and uh play in the subway. I think they were called the train robbers. Yeah, and it was uh he said it was um let's see, uh he, they do like um hip hop. They'd have like he calls them hip hop cats who were freestyling on the train and then he's playing too. And so They'd win everyone over because it's like the old folks love the classic music, the young folks love the freestyle hip hop. So they're it's really memorable. Yeah. And it's different. So he definitely. He's like, we'd rob those trains front to back. We'd go to every car. <laughs> he's dude, like, can I say, dude? He was he like, says, I, yeah. He says, um, uh, he says we played it so hard. He's talking about playing the trains and the subway systems. That if you rode the trains and were a real commuting New Yorker, you saw me in the days between. T- 2010 and 2012. I'm talking eight to ten hours every day. I might have seen him. I was living there in 2011. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I like read that and I was like, man, I'm trying to remember. Like you see so many street performers and like, ugh, you, you know, usually like throw your headphones in or you're reading or you try to ignore it or whatever. But like if it's really good, I'd always be kind of like, oh shit, this is really good. And they say too, um, they're like he he definitely learned to like project singing in the New York City subway because it's so damn loud. Yeah. And then I watched a video of him. Where he's like, "Hi, I'm Charlie Crockett," and he's so like he's projecting yeah. like he was raised in the theater. Like he's like he has that. He has he's that. So um, I don't want to just say loud, but he's he projects like a like a pro. He really yeah he really enunciates. <laughs> so like in that walking the floor, like they have the the uh, artists introduce themselves every time, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Charlie Crockett," and I'm just like, "Yeah, dude, I love him. Totally, yeah, and he and does that on think- stage too." I think about like street performing, like just playing in the streets to like just people that are trying to ignore you or playing in the subway. It's I, it's it's really pounding the pavement as far as like just getting that stage fright gone where you're just like walking. Because I can't imagine I've never done it. So I can't imagine just taking my guitar and like walking into a crowded subway of like New Yorkers, which are like the most intimidating people in the world. And then just being like, hey, everybody. And just starting <laughs> to play a song. Like, it's just like, I, ooh, like that scares I'm the shit. Charlie <laughs> and, every, and some guys are like, like, oh my shut God. Shut up, asshole. <laughs> like, that, that's, it takes, that takes that's my nightmare. Cojones, that man. is that's, so my nightmare. Yeah. That is my nightmare. And it's like, I'll get on stage and do it because people expect it. But street performing is so like, it's, it's, uh, it's brave. Yeah, For I don't lack even of a like, better word, it's brave. Dude, I don't even like grabbing a guitar at my own house parties because I think someone's going to be like, shut up. Like, house. we just want to chat, like, man. Stop yeah. playing Wonderwall <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. Is that the only song you know? Anyway, let's get down to this first tune. Yeah, I think we got to get his voice in here. Um, What's the first tune? All right, I got it pulled up right here, and it's called uh, Silver Dagger, and it's 
Actually, one that's written by Charlie, and it's off of his 2016 album, In the Night. This is obviously like his heavier soul stuff that he does, like that more Bill Withers influence kind of feel. Yeah. Like you can tell that that organ's just screaming. I assume it's like a B3 organ. Yeah. Just... Well, it's so funny. And like, I'm so excited to play the other songs <laughs> for these, for whoever's listening. Because it's like, you hear that and you're like, all right, I got this guy's style. And then you hear another song and you're like, wait, what? And then you hear another song and yeah. it's like, wait, this is completely different. He's so anyway, such a chameleon. Yeah. He's such a chameleon and but he talks. A, what, yeah, anyway. yeah, what I really love about this song is so basically, like I said, it's the heavier soul stuff that he's going to do. It has like that fat 4-4 four, four beat right. and the bass and the, the drum just hold this great pocket like throughout the entire song with that fat rhythm. Yeah. You said it's on your running playlist. Like, it is it's on just my running like, playlist. Yeah, it's just a great, yeah. it's a great it's feel. It's pounding the pavement with the clap yeah. kind of. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely the song's definitely colored by uh, the organ and the and the horns in it. Yeah, the organ bit. especially is really cool. Yeah, every and time eerie. the every time the chorus hits, the horns like kind of have the little. Uh, it's almost like a call and response, like and then they kind of interject in, yeah. in between the uh, the chorus uh, lines. But if you really like break this song down into its different segments, it's literally just like. Intro, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, yeah. Yeah. verse, chorus, solo, verse, outro. So it just does three parts, but those three parts don't even change chords. It 
it's like the only things that change in this song are uh the way is the way that they manipulate the the those changes and and those chords so they'll layer the instrumentation differently like maybe they'll maybe they'll add horns in the chorus and then maybe they'll add a solo like with that tenor sax or with yeah. the organ later and then maybe yeah. he'll manipulate the melody a little bit so like you were like you were talking about earlier like in the in that last chorus like Time yeah, like, so he'll now. just switch around. It sounds like a third verse because it's so different than the chorus. So, so if you yeah. were to like teach this song to like a fifteen-year-old group, yeah. like it would be such a boring ass song. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way because I think it's so impressive the way that his um, his instrumentalists and his band members and him are able to take this seemingly simple like skeleton of a song. And just make it this awesome soul like banger off of his off right. of in the night, yeah. which we we love. Um, so I think this really speaks to his you know his Bill Withers inspiration, yeah. which we talked about led from hip hop. Yeah, I I uh, and this is also one that he wrote. He does a lot of covers too, but he actually yeah. Wrote this I think one. this this album was like a mix of covers and originals. I think his first album. His, so he was, always does a little bit of. He always does a little. Oh, because because uh, Lonesome as a Shadow is the first album that's there's no covers on that album, and then um, yeah. uh, the one with the orange cover was little GL. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all covers, right? Yeah. Um. So, uh. So I was gonna. I was looking at this song today. Um, and I wanted to get the song lyrics right. Um. So I got on Google, even though I can basically understand what he's saying, but I was like, kind of want to just pull them up. So I Googled Silver, yeah. Silver Dagger song. There's Turn, some good ones. I did the same dude, thing today. turns out, I'm like, wait, this is like an old, like, folk, American folk song that has all these different variations um, that's been, like, done by, like, Joan Baez and Bob Dylan and Dolly Parton. <clears throat> and I, I don't know if he's making any variation of his own with this song, but he has to be aware of this song. Like because well, it's like he talks, wa- quote walking the floor, right? It like takes this concept, yes. this like ancient, not ancient, but you know, old ass yeah. concept, and then yeah. you you write your own take on it. Like uh, like Gary Clark Jr. doing Bright Lights Big City. Exactly. Lights, and Charlie Big does Bright Lights Big City. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's like a song that it's like I yeah. don't know who the hell's song that is. Yeah. That's just like a little you know, um, it was being sung at like campfires or something <laughs> forever ago. And like, it's just morphed into this thing. Um, so yeah, the song silver dagger, I was reading about it and it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of premise. It's like this couple, um, that, uh, that, um, their parents don't approve. So the first, so the Joan Baez made it kind of big. Um, and she says, don't sing love songs. You'll wake my mother. She's sleeping here right by my side. And in her right hand, a silver dagger. Sounds she kinky. says that I can't be your bride. <laughs> so it's basic. And then all men are false, says my mother. They'll tell you wicked love and lies. Um, so it's it sounds like uh, when she says, don't sing love songs, you'll wake my mother. It sounds like he's doing a Romeo thing where he's out. Someone's out calling up to Throwing her. Throwing pebbles against Yeah, doing though, John yeah. Cusack with the radio. Yeah, he has a boombox. <laughs> We've we've seen this in so many different um, <laughs> take so many different forms. Um, it also reminded me of that Jimi Hendrix song. I think I have to wait till tomorrow. When oh, he's talking about I love that song. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah, wait till tomorrow. And, 
and uh click bang what a hang and then he gets shot by her dad yeah god um yeah that listen song to that song <laughs> Dude, I don't lo- get me turned on Sorry. hendrix right now Sorry, that's one of my favorite <laughs> hendrix songs but anyway so the joke so underrated the, um so sometimes um sometimes the parents are disapproving and they have a mom has a silver dagger in one variation it's used as a suicide weapon for the couple like super romeo and juliet kind of style and um so anyway the the idea of like a, a a suitor or whatever you know trying to court this girl um from outside up to her window and i was like trying to make a connection to the charlie crockett song i was like is he pulling off this at all like and the only (laughs) so his song very different plot obviously um last time she came down she's better loving all over this town i don't think it is that different like they say she carry well so i'll tell you what i think is similar um yeah carrie silver dagger lady never staggered to cut me down so it's a woman with a dagger just like joan Baez, right yeah. her mom's got the dagger so it's like the woman's arms which is yeah. badass and then um he says uh one line you see me around here in the night on my knees i don't know like when i think about a suitor outside a window begging he's on his knees for a girl on your knees i was trying to find a connection there so wait, what's the Joan Baez one? What where does the silver dagger come to play in her version? So again? don't sing love songs, you'll wake my mother. She's sleeping here right by my side, and in her right hand, a silver dagger, she says that I can't be your bride. So check it out. Here's what I was thinking oh. about the silver dagger, just from from uh what you were telling me right now about it, because you right. dug way deeper than me about yeah. the silver dagger thing. <laughs> I had a slow day at work. Um. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to dig real deep into this. I think the silver dagger is a symbolic device that songwriters have used for years to to kind of create something that is beautiful and lovely, but is dangerous as fuck. So like, like he's talking love. about, so Charlie's <gasps> talking about this girl carrying a silver dagger every time she comes to town and then she's like sleeping all over the place. And, um... And just hurting, breaking hurting his, people, breaking, breaking heart, people's yeah. heart. Like, and when Joan Baez talks about the silver dagger, her mom has it because she will hurt her if she dates the dude, you know, with the boombox outside of her window. <laughs> John so, Cusack? Yeah, John, if she dates John Cusack. <laughs> Who would be intimidated by John Cusack? So that's why I think the John. silver dagger is just kind of like a, it's symbolism for like something uh for love hurting you i think i don't well, know well you in know a, it ties and it can in, hurt you in different ways i it just made me think of the stroke song razor blade oh the razor blade that's what i call love and he compares i love, bet you'll pick, pick it, it up and mess, mess around, around with it, it if i put <laughs> it down yeah it's love that line yeah it's it's a really brilliant written song um and yeah, he's comparing, it's like this dichotomy of love where it's like, it's the best feeling you'll ever have, but it's also the fucking worst feeling you'll ever have. Like, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. It turns, uh, turns a lot of people off. That's for sure. It turns yeah. a lot of people off. People will turn their back on that thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's, I was just digging on that today. Um, I like his line, all this pain I fall victim of because of you He's just, he's got a great way with words. And, you know, he was talking about um, in the uh, podcast that we listened to today that we talked about earlier with Chris Shiflett. He was talking about, Chris was like, hey, when did you start playing guitar? And he was like, I was like 18, but I would have been writing songs like way before that. And I've been singing for a long, long time. And, um, and you know, he talks about when he first starts being a street performer and playing in the streets. And he's like, you, you got to have just like hundreds of songs like in your brain that you can play. Um, so I think when you learn all, and he said he would learn 
some songs. I know that he knows more than so many songs. He knows so many songs, and he he said he discovered mm. artists through songs. Like he would just learn a song on the street because other people are playing that song, and then later he would actually hear the original and be like, "Oh, I'd never heard the original before. I just I just learned it from being on the streets." Like he discovered a. Well, he, al- he, he also talks about writing your own songs. He's like, I don't think you can write a great song unless you know other people's well, that's, great yeah, songs. Yeah, that's where I was landing. Yeah. It's like he learned hundreds of these old like folk, blues, like country songs, um, honky-tonk, whatever you want to call it. And it's like the more you, you know, it's like novelists say, if you want to learn how to be a better writer, you just type out novels i don't know where yeah. i've heard that but like you type out the beginning of war and peace and you just get what it feels like to like god that would be boring have, as hell <laughs> you just get would what that it feels not be like the most boring to have ever? those words to like have those words going through your head and like pushing it to paper or writing it out or whatever and so yeah if you play all these great songs by hank williams or all these great songwriters and then or um who's the other guy he talks about? oh ernest tubbs yeah he says he, he learned a lot of e. <laughs> He learns a lot of the covers, he, those songs first, and then yeah, he know. was like, I know like like thirty Ernest Tubb songs or some something outrageous yeah. like that. I'm like, well, if he knows thirty Ernest Tubb songs, like how many Hank Williams uh, there's so songs many, there's does he know? How many? Well, there's so many Hank Bill Williams, Withers songs. There's does he so know, many you know? Hank Williams songs, and Hank Williams died at what thirty? It was young. It In the back young. of I'm a Google limo or something. Um, I remember when I got into him via Tom. He always reminds me of when I first started dating Tom. We were listening to him doing today. Yeah, I, I busted out my. Hank oh Williams God! I, I typed in Hank Williams, and that movie just popped up. Oh no, <laughs> no! Yeah, um, that movie got very little Rotten Tomatoes. Or is it? You get a lot of Rotten Tomatoes if you I suck. Don't, you I don't get. Really know how that's, I think it's lower <laughs> scoring if you. No, yeah, no, it's low it's scoring, but scoring like if you're good, it comes from like people would literally throw Rotten Tomatoes at you, right? Like if you were like a. I don't know what. Oh, that's where the like if you're name, a, I never a thought about the name that much. Yeah, no, if you're like a <laughs> if you're a minstrel playing a flute or something, and some guy was like, "Shut up, asshole!" And like throws the tomato at wow. you. Yeah. that's what Ron tomatoes like. They throw tomatoes at you if you suck. Dude, people used to be so like. Now we just kind of all like sit back and go, "I don't know if I like this or not." But man, people back in the day, they used to just Dude, be like, "I hate it." Well, there's like honky tonks <laughs> with fucking like chicken wire around the stages because people people just used to throw their beer bottles at them like can you imagine (laughs) if you're sitting up there like if i could stop my and then boom you just get smashed with a beer bottle like it's like the uh, it's so out of control like the way these people used to be people used to um people used to like throw like acid at the Mona Lisa. And like when Manet like released his Olympia painting, <laughs> people were so like, people were like throwing food at it and shit, like a painting. Like, can, can you imagine that going on today? Like, it's so funny to me. Like anyway, <laughs> that was off track, but yeah. Anyway, Hank Williams was 29 when he died. Oh wow. He was my age. So he okay. was your age. Wait. And he'd written how many songs has he written? Like so many songs. There's a lot. so I, many I mean, Hank Williams songs. And they're all I'm good. I'm looking at his discography and it's uh It's he is uh, prolific. It's a lot. Holy smokes. Yeah. It is a lot. Yeah. Um I love his songs. They they paint quite a picture. Like they're all little stories, like when he's talking about uh what was it? Uh, you got me chasing rabbits, pulling out my hair and howling at the moon. Well, yeah, I love that song. I want to do like a really dark version of that song. I, um, every time I, I love the, to I love him, the phrase, I want to cover yeah. him, and then I'm just like, is that? Yeah. Well, I love the phrase "howling at the moon," and like I, I was actually writing a song called "Howling at the Moon," and then I'm like, should I actually write it or should I just 
cover it and then change it so it sounds like what I'm trying to write because his yeah. lyrics are already so fucking good. They're it's so like, good and he changes yeah. the chorus every time. Like at the end, he's going, you know, you got me chasing rabbits. And he says, uh, pulling out fleas. And then he says, uh, got me chasing rabbits picking out rings and howling at like he changes yeah. it every time and i'm just like so he does, impressed and he does hound dog too right no Are you uh, sure he hound big dog? mama thornton does hound dog oh, fuck but i ooh, i used to cover big mama thornton's version you ain't nothing but that's a, a good one i love elvis's version. as far as who wrote it i i don't know who wrote it you know what it's kind of one of those songs where it's it makes more sense from a woman's perspective yeah. Like, wasn't these boots are made for walking written with a dude in mind singing it? And then they brought Nancy Sinatra in and they're like, oh, this makes way more sense from anyway. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know jack shit about Nancy Sinatra other than that we cover her song sometimes. She does the bang, bang, <laughs> shot me down. Oh, that's a great song. It's a great song, dude. She's the monophonics got... do that. We got offered to open for them one time and uh, it was at good old what? Toots Tavern. And uh, oh, shit. We, it just wasn't going to work. It, it, oh, it wasn't going to work. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, but they do a killer a great version of that song. song. Yeah, she's a badass. Um, yeah, he doesn't do Hound Dog. My bad. He goes. Uh, he does that song. Uh, Move it on over. Which oh, I was, uh, George Thurgood does. Yeah, the and version, yeah. What, that's what I was trying to get to. Is like that's how I discovered him. Well, he does say Move over, big dog. The little dogs. Coming yeah, in. I got Move the dogs over, messed dog, up. Damn the it. fat dogs yeah. coming in. But no I, hound dogs. No hound. No well, hound dogs. Does he say hound dog? He might. We'll we'll have to Google this later, but yeah, I I discovered Hank Williams through another artist, kind of how Charlie was saying he discovered like he discovered artists through street performers or through yeah, covers he'd hear a song he and he'd be do. like, oh, I gotta learn that song too, and then he'd learn the song, and then he'd hear Hank Williams' version. So he yeah. he was literally covering a song before hearing the original. Like, how crazy is that? It's like if we were covering "Son of a Preacher Man" and I had never heard. Desi Springfield do it. Yeah. And then I listened and I was like, oh shit, that's how it's usually done. Like it's a very cool way of thinking about doing a cover. And he, you know, he talks about doing covers and he says, you know, um, like a lot of there's a lot of covers in <laughs> the history of American music. Everyone's covering each other and it's great. Um, and he says, you know, sometimes you make you make that song your own. So he doesn't have this stigma around covers. No, like, he, that, that some people have. He's which all I about respect. doing covers. He's all yeah. about it. And he makes them totally is and we're gonna play a couple of yeah. his covers today um because he has some really great ones and I'll, I'll listen to them back to back and yeah he's completely morphing them into his own thing um oh yeah 100 percent. and and like my my favorite cover that he does is the one that we're about to do and i'd never heard it before so i kind of thought it was his before i really knew his story and what I he was all was about too, yeah so what's cool about charlie is he's uh with this album it's called lil gl's Honky Tonk Jubilee. And he's created this uh, pathway for himself to do cover songs um, in, on different albums. So he kind of has like these two entities. There's like Charlie Crockett, yeah. which does like, you know, a Stolen Jewel, which is his first album, uh, yeah. In the Night and yeah. uh, Lonesome as a Shadow. Right. And then he has the Lil GL series, which is kind of like his pseudonym. And in this one, he does like, the honky tonk jubilee so it's like a lot of honky tonk songs and country western driven songs yeah and then he just came out with a new one and uh, i'm gonna butcher the name so i'm gonna look it up real quick but uh it's called little jail's blue bonanza blue bonanza. so it, it's like the second part of his little gl series and and it's we and looked it's up covers, we looked up that right? gl dude right what because he's named after another guy who is 
Well, one of his GL. one of his friend musician friends gave him the nickname Little GL because GL is a musician, and this is where I drop off my knowledge. Yeah. Um, who he was comparing him to. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. I can't find it. Um, well, let's play the song and then we'll come back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this, just try to remember the last song we played and see how different this song yeah. is. It's so you know, cool. I don't I think it's it. like 100% different because... No, it's, it's got the same it has notes of a lot of the, him. The core principles that make his song so good are like the, 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 the heartbeat of the song, which is kind of like... You know uh, the drums and the right. bass and and the the presentation of the instruments and right. the mixture of the instruments like the things that make his music great are like beyond just song style. It's right. it's about the players a lot and about yeah. his performance a lot and their performance a lot. But anyway, yeah, this one uh, is off Lil GL's Honky Tonk Jubilee uh, by Charlie Crockett and it's called Night Train to Memphis. Take the night train to Memphis Night train to Memphis When you arrive at the station I'll be right there to meet you Right there to beat you Won't you accept my invitation Hallelujah Hallelujah We'll be singing Hallelujah, all the way. Show do Memphis to Jubilee. Way down in Memphis, Tennessee. We'll be singing Hallelujah all the way. So that one was performed originally by this guy Roy Acuff, as yes. we found. We had we hadn't heard about him before. Uh, known as I was reading his Wikipedia, Charlie. known as the king of country music, and I'm like, damn, so sounds was, like a pretty big deal. I was like, what? So he was part of the Grand Ole Opry in like the 30s and 40s. Yeah, and you know, interesting <clears throat> enough, another fun fact about him is uh, Roy Acuff wanted to find a different publisher for his music because. People back in the day were just getting destroyed by publishing companies. You know, they're just getting yeah. ripped off high they and low. They still are. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he teamed up with this dude, Fred Rose, to start a publishing company called Acuff Rose. Oh, I know what you're about and, to say. And yeah, and then 
they signed, guess who? Hank Williams. And? At the height of his powers, they signed Hank Williams to publish yeah. his music. So later on, ties all together. Later on, they signed Roy Orbison and the Everly Brothers, too. Oh, snap. Via Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank God for Wikipedia. Remember when we were growing up, everyone was like, Whatever you do, do not trust Wikipedia. Oh, all our yeah, teachers, all the they're teachers. like, don't cite Wikipedia. And it's just like, it's like that's, that's all, you all I'm going to cite. That's I don't care. And yeah, so Roy Acuff, and he's super charming. If you watch a video of him live, he plays the violin. The fiddle. The yeah, fiddle, fiddle yeah. yeah. So he's doing all these solos and same then he's same. singing. And then he's, yeah, it's, it's really the same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so. What I thought was uh, super cool is Roy Acuff got his start uh being the the talent like the performer in medicine shows which was literally like what? some crazy fuck who would just travel across the country and be like literally like snake oil salesman who's yeah. like yeah i've got this and that and you should buy it and now here's roy acuff playing the fiddle and then they like go through <laughs> the audience to try to sell medicine and roy acuff's like oh so he fills in the awkward space i guess right what could be more awkward than some dude trying to shove snake oil down your throat you know i mean you know but you believe that stuff it's kind of like if someone tells me, hey, kombucha is good for you, I'm like, okay. And like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's just like, dude, I, I mean, we have Google I now, so we can, we can prove down. that I wrong. That but stuff. anyway, anyway, kombucha is good for you as far as we know. So, so right? what's so funny is I was driving to work today, listening to my, and I've mentioned it before, my 2005 shuffle iPod that I always have on shuffle. It has like a couple thousand songs on it. I don't know how that's compatible with anything anymore. It's well, I have to plug it into a series of things to get it to play through my tape deck in my car, which works, right? So yeah. I was I was I have like a ten minute commute and I was driving to my winery and you know what song came on? What? So okay, so it came on. So I have a lot of like uh fifties on there. And uh so You mixed it up recently. You you shuffled I'm, it. I mixed it up as much saying. as it'll let me uh so I, I put a bunch of fifties stuff on there and uh this song came on and I and I knew we were doing Charlie Crockett tonight and the song came on and I was like, holy shit, this reminds me so much of the intro <clears> to <throat> Night Train to Memphis. And the song is Good Golly, Miss Molly. Have you oh, listened to yeah. that intro in a while? Oh, it's 100%. Like, I love It's like Richard. got that crazy piano where it's like, dun, 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 and then the whole band is going yeah. like 50 miles an hour behind it. But then he, of course, just drops Well, out. I got I to gotta shout out this guy. His name is, I think it's Gerard or Jared. His name is impossible <laughs> to pronounce. Uh, it's... T. Jared Bonta, B-O-N-T-A. I guess it could be Bonte. Um, and this guy, this, like, Charlie's version starts out with, like, this tickling piano by T. Gerard Bonte. Yeah, it's... But then he does great stuff, like, throughout the entire song. The, he, the piano player? Yeah. yeah. He makes, like, the whole song in my mind. That and, like, oh, yeah. the, the tenor sax. Uh, I think it's a tenor sax berry sax combo. Yeah, yeah, And then um, there's an awesome berry sax yeah. solo in it. And I love... The way that, however they did it, they they recorded uh, Charlie's vocals. It has like this warm, like almost distorted growl to it, which just sounds yeah. so fucking cool. And I was yeah. like, dude, how can we sound like that? <laughs> like we gotta Where figure it out, dude. This? I need to go on like Reddit and like post that and be like, how do you get my vocals? <laughs> but anyway, this is another like super easy song. You know, it doesn't. It it's literally just intro which is that piano part yeah a verse and then the rest of the song is just the chorus chord progression over and over and over and over and over and over yeah. again until it's over 
Yeah. So it's like another super easy song that's not going to blow your hair back and, and blow your mind with like the way that they constructed it and like the changes they have and anything like yeah. that. It's like, no, they just sit down and like destroy this easy track because yeah. everyone is so talented at what they do. Everyone is so talented and like, and that, that original song, it's like, um, it's, it's that wonderful fusion of like gospel with like this, like upbeat, um, it's not rock and roll. Like what, what do you, I call it rock and roll. You want to call it rock? Yeah. Like yeah, gospel this is rock and, and rock roll, and roll where it's like, it's, ha- it's little Richard. It's like what you're saying. It's yeah. little Richard. Well, and when you listen to, um, shout out to gospel. Well, Roy Acuff is a little more like yeah. country, obviously, but yeah, that but song they is do it rock so and roll. upbeat. Yeah. They do it rock and roll. And it's like that, that fun fusion where gospel comes in and just, yeah. It's, well, funny. And uh, it's simple, but it's so fun good. Fact king of one of the kings of gospel and soul um ray charles he actually used to perform the song uh called that lucky old son have you ever heard that one it's beautiful it has son s-o-n or s-u-n son s-u-n okay like that beautiful or that that lucky old son it's a beautiful beautiful ray charles song i i was like after Ray came out, I was obsessed with Ray Charles. It's one oh, of my the all-time movie, favorite. Yeah, yeah. Dude, was, it came out like the same year as Walk the Line, yeah. too. And then they I was like obsessed the, with Johnny like Cash. Or like two years like, later. Right yeah, that. they were right around the same time, I remember. Um, like 2003, 2004, I want to say. It sounds um, about right. That's like right when I was going to high school and right when I got obsessed Ray with Ray Charles Ray. does, oh, well, he does Hallelujah, I Just Love a so Yeah, one of my favorite songs. <laughs> uh, but what I was trying to say is, Beasley Smith was one of the three songwriters who wrote Night Train to Memphis, and no. he also wrote That Lucky Old Son, oh, which was made shit. famous, I think, by Ray Charles. In that. I'm sure, yeah. The other songwriters was this guy named Marvin Hughes, who I couldn't find much on him. He like played in an orchestra. I imagine he helped with like more the music inst- side, yeah, the maybe more the music side. And then yeah. uh, this guy, William o- Owen Bradley, who's like a American country rockabilly kind of musician so yeah. those three wrote night train to memphis and then a lot of people have done it and uh roy acuff has done it too i actually have his version i was gonna here. say i listened to his version today because i've been listening to the charlie crockett version so much and i wanted to get a sense of that and uh it's it's totally different um as far as feel yeah charlie is this the yeah It oh, has yeah. that like little lap still like. This is pre Hank Williams. You can tell it's. Yeah. I think it was a 1943 smash hit. It. I can imagine this <laughs> coming through your radio, and you're just like, "Oh, this is fire! What is this?" <laughs> I like the little call and response. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the call and response in this is pretty fun. Where? Do they say where? Yeah. We'll have, have a, a jubilee. jubilee. Where? where? In Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of the most annoying shit of all time. Like, what? I went to see Charlie Crockett in Petaluma at yeah. the Mystic Theater. I was like kind of just moseyed up to the front with uh, Vince from oh, uh, yeah. Go-Kart, Kid Mo, and uh, I know. It was my birthday, and you wanted me to yeah, come, I and I, come I so regret bad. not coming. And Sorry. Uh, <laughs> like... I can't remember exactly what song it was, but it's basically, you know, Charlie Crockett uh, coming, talking about where he's coming from and like all this stuff. And there was this fucking douchebag dude in the front row who wanted to make this show all about him. So like before every line that Charlie sang, he was like, where you from, Charlie? Where you going, Charlie? And I was like, does someone need to fucking like punch this guy? Was it Lonesome as a Shadow? 
come from the Gulf. It was no? something like that. I'm gonna. I'll, I mean, he talk, he talks about coming from Texas in a couple songs. But yeah. I was my, born in South Texas. It wasn't. It wasn't Didn't that one. I'll look it up. Uh, but I think it was. I think it actually was "Lonesome as a Shadow." I I listened to that song today and broke down the lyrics, and it's it's one of my favorites. I'd heard it a bunch of times, but when I was really trying to pay attention lyrically to these songs that I knew we were gonna do. I was listening to that one a lot, and I was like, oh, this is like a little mini autobiography, this whole song. And it, yeah, it's really well written. Yeah, and so I'm trying to find his lyrics, but of course they're impossible to find. Lonesome of the Shadow, here we go. Let's see if this is a good link. It looks German. Oh, I, I actually had to write them down today. Oh, yeah. Can you uh, listening? Go so ahead, read them out. I come from the deep country. Yeah, he was like, where are you from? Uh, here, I'll be the guy, you be Charlie. <laughs> I'll be like, where are you from, Charlie? I come from the deep country. When? Underneath the setting <laughs> like sun. Like this fucking guy. And everyone I can't like, sing this song. Charlie, I, I'm so sorry <laughs> to butcher your fucking song right I'm now. I'm so sorry and for that guy. That guy does not represent. Highway. Yeah. And then he was like, where? Anyway, when? He just was asking all these dumbass so questions. The he was the he literal was peanut fun. gallery. Yeah. He, he just had too many. Some people have too many drinks and they want to make this show about them. It's like if you go to a comedy show, it happens all the time. If you go what to a, a nightmare, dude. dude. What a nightmare. I'm, I wish, I wish Charlie just. Heckled? I'm trying to think if we've ever been heckled. I mean, the worst that I've ever had happen to me at a, a show is we were signed up to play this Lafayette uh, music festival. Yeah. Way back in the day with Azrael, my old yeah. band. And like, we set up, we play one song and three, four cops come up and say, what? you're done. You're done here. <laughs> you're done here. And we're like, what? You're like, and we're like, supposed to play. <laughs> they're like, it's six o'clock. You're done. And, and we're like, Serious? And they just yeah. bullied us off the stage like that immediately. Boom, Holy we were done. Holy shit. So for whatever reason, like the people before us played too long. We we weren't aware that there was like a sound ordinance or anything like that. Uh, so like we just like played one song. You know, we were all fired up to uh, play. We like walked out there. Yeah. Anyway. I, I don't think I've ever been heckled on stage. I do have one memory. I used to give tours uh, at my old winery and it'd be like 30 people, right? And I remember one time they all got off the train the wine train, and there's 30 people. Love the wine train. Yeah, it's super it. fun. Yeah. And uh, and I like started the tour, and it's an hour tour. I'm talking for an hour. And like I have an hour, dude. I, I had a lot of history to talk about, whatever. But we, I start the tour, and I'm like, hey, you know, welcome to Napa Valley, whatever. Um, where's everybody from? Let's go around. And this one guy's like, oh, way to kill time. I was like, what? And that really pissed me off. And, <laughs> but the reason the reason I did that. Who's this guy? He was just a dick. And I think he was drunk. And I and everybody was like, ugh. And I was like. I was he, like he was probably like, trying no. to be funny, right? I think so. But it was also this kind of like, basically pretend I'm giving an hour speech. And he's just like, oh, you're killing time by making us talk. Yeah. And I was just like. And I said, I said live because I was just like on my game. And I was just like, uh, I was like, I was like, nope. It's just because some of y'all are from all over the world. And it's true. Like people be like, we're from Sweden, we're from China, we're from, yeah. and it's really interesting, you know, to see where everybody's from because mm -hmm. it's Napa Valley. Um, but that, I remember getting heckled like that, and I was just like, man, fuck <laughs> this guy. Um, but where was where was that guy from? He didn't um, say. Huh? I don't remember. <laughs> definitely American. <laughs> He's definitely an American dude. Definitely um, American. <laughs> definitely American. And I was just like, why? It's funny how some people think that that they can i don't know that they can interject when when somebody on stage and you feel like you can interject in a mean way not a nice way in, in all fairness the kid that was 
It wasn't heckling like Charlie no, he Crockett. Was he was just too fired up. He was like yeah. too. Fi- he loves Charlie Crockett clearly. Yeah. But he was also just annoying everybody. Did I ever tell you when I was uh, when I was young, we used to go see Ringo Starr and his All Star Band, and he said on stage live once, I'll never forget it. I was like eight when he said it. Um, he's like, when you guys yell at me when I'm on stage, it just sounds like you're saying, I love you, Ringo. So I'm just <laughs> going to say, I love you too. And throughout the whole concert, he was going, I love you too. <laughs> I love how Ringo all of a sudden sounds like he's from the South or something. I think I'm still <laughs> listening sure to it. It's like, we're just, yeah, he's we just, British. I, I this is where accents come to die. It's this, this is, <laughs> this is me? Podcast. No, I, no, this podcast oh, in I was general. like, I can't do a British, I love, I can't do it. <laughs> nope, not going to do it. I can't do a British accent. I just um, sound like Forrest Gump when I do it. It's like, I love you, Jenny. I, no. I, but yeah, and I always think about that when people are on stage and you're like yelling shit at them. They can't understand no, you. No, they can't. Like they don't know what the fuck you're saying. Yeah. So I you might only as well imagine. just say I love you too. You can only imagine being the, the freaking Beatles back in the day. They like, couldn't even hear themselves because well, they, they, they were screaming so loud. amplified loud enough yeah. back in the day. They couldn't even hear themselves. That's why they stopped touring because it's like one, it was dangerous as fuck to like everyone in the area because and to the Beatles because people were just so trampling to go and like yeah. smash their car and then when they play all they can hear is just screaming yeah how crazy they don't have the amplification that? at that point in order to project over all these screaming people well if you watch really old like Beatles of them doing like she loves you yeah in the in the movie a hard day's night there's a few where they're like playing live and they're showing the audience and you yeah you really can't hear the song at all no. and imagine being on stage and trying to like hear the drummer or hear the singer and get your cues it's like i don't know how they kept it together yeah as well as they did yeah i was trying not to cough um yeah so imagine being that famous (laughs) just imagine anyway it's like a perfect segue from that douchey guy at the petaluma it was actually a really fun show um yeah tell me more about that i so we, I went with Vince right after work. We went to uh, the Star on Grand, which is like this bomb ass pizza in place Oakland, in Oakland, yeah. which is incredible. We went to Petaluma, damn. And then we drove to Petaluma, me and Vince. Yeah. And uh, we're he's a Charlie Crockett fan too. And um, basically, I was a little bit, I was a little bit frustrated about how many openers there were. Oh, Because really? I don't think Charlie went on stage until like after 10 if not later like maybe oh, 10 wow. 30 11 and um there was like these two ladies they they were like total teacher ladies you know like that that kind of age group but they just fucking banged so hard they they were like you mean on stage what do you mean on they're an acoustic they're playing so well and singing oh. so well sorry bang they were like fucking banging you know like, i don't know what you were trying to say because yeah. you never Is that said even that they were playing, playing anymore music. is that what people say yeah, I think like, so. Anyway, they they like I love the way Vince described them. He's like, imagine if Tenacious D were women and they were serious. And oh, that's like what this I can already picture group that. was. Yeah. They were like kind of Zeppelin-y a little bit. That's badass. But they were also a little bit like quirky, kind of like Tenacious D, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. where you don't know if you can take them 100% serious, but they were like <laughs> really good. But then all of a sudden like Band after band started playing. How many bands played before I think, Charlie? I think at least three. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, so I was super exhausted because I had just worked a full day and like. Yeah, I was gonna drive down from Santa Lina, yeah, which would have been and uh, on my birthday when I'd already been. Yeah. But Charlie's so. great. He like 
It felt like he did some like segmented shows, like where he kind of did this one version of their set, which was maybe a little bit more acoustic. Like he'd play more of an acoustic guitar, and um, and then he did one that was did more he have, electric. Did he have a band? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's he ha- he plays with the blue the the Blue Drifters, oh, that's Charlie awesome. Cock and the Blue Drifters, and he has this like rock star dude uh, named uh, Colin Fox mm-hmm. who plays accordion. Um, and he also plays keyboard, and he also plays trumpet, and he what? also does backup vocals. And oh, he's, he's one of those like, like musician, rock star auxiliary players that just yeah. does everything in his band. You want that guy in your band? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, I can do a harmony here. And oh I, yeah, I could just I do a little trumpet figure, solo real quick. Yeah, I couldn't figure out who his bass player and drummer were. Um, but he had an upright bass player. I think he might yeah. have played some uh, electric bass after a while. Yeah. Uh, great drummer. And so he's got five. I think the drummer actually came out later, oh, and so that's kind of what some... picked the volume up. And then, and then they started playing more electric, and then that picked the volume up. Like they definitely had like layers to their set where it yeah. like felt like it grew and grew and grew. So what did he mostly uh, play off of? Because he's got five albums to choose from. Hundred percent honest. Of... He played a bunch of songs that I did not recognize off albums. He played. Were they covers or? Yeah, I imagine they're covers. I imagine he played. He like had a really eclectic mix, and, um, he definitely played like, you know, the Lonesome as a Shadow bangers. He played, in the night. Uh, he played Silver Dagger. You know, he played like a lot of his own songs too. But when it came to the cover songs that we know off of like, Honky Tonk Jubilee and. And uh, a stolen jewel and and stuff like that. Like I didn't recognize a lot. I recognize about fifty percent of the covers that he did from his. How albums. cool is that? So maybe he's doing songs that aren't even. He obviously does them as covers, but they're not even recorded. I mean, they might have become this uh, Blue Bonanza album. Oh, I don't know. that's a great it, point because it wasn't out yet. Yeah, that, it could have been the Blue Bonanza. Stu- like December seventh. Yeah, yeah, Pearl Harbor Day, our brother's birthday. Yeah, yep. Um. Well, he said. Uh. So. Uh. He said, and I was reading a. What is this? Uh, Mother Church Pew interview, April 2018. Um, I love being on stage and going right out of a honky-tonk song into a burning soul song and watching people look at me like, what the hell are you? I don't want anyone to pigeonhole me. So he, I think he enjoys that, uh, you know, playing all these really eclectic types of songs live. Because he doesn't, like, when people say, what kind of you know music are you? He says, uh, when people ask me what I do, this is on his website, I tell them I play Texas and Louisiana music. People call me a chameleon, and I like that. This is soul music. It's blues. It's country. It's oh, man. Just Here, I thought we music. were the ones who thought of that. Damn it's it. It's just music. Everyone calls him a chameleon, but he totally yeah, is he a says, chameleon. Yeah, he says there's a lot of labels. People see me as country. It's a mix. It's Cajun. It's honky-tonk. I write soul songs. Like, yeah, he, it's just, it's, yeah. He, he um, does play a lot of honky-tonk. Like, he played a lot of honky- honky-tonk in his set. And he kind of has that honky-tonk. It's really like, fun live, I would imagine. It was fun, for sure. And yeah. I, I liked his, uh, he, like, dresses kind of like this. Uh, rhinestone cowboy almost yeah. like he's like very extravagant with the way he dresses yeah he's got these great hats and uh bell bottoms very country and, western like, yeah harken harkening back to the 50s 60s like you know like the straight like uh the straight what are they like pleated pants or whatever yeah. like tucked in yeah uh, cowboy shirt with you know the well, super extravagant cowboy hat and he looks great in a cowboy hat. Yeah, he looks great. And we we've talked about before. I really I love when people dress up when they perform music. Yeah, and he super dresses up. Yeah, because yeah, that's I I I don't really get people that don't. You don't have to dress up super extravagantly, but like you know, just 
you know, your performing look look yeah, look like you you are respecting the audience. Don't wear like shorts and hiking boots when you play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't wear a baggy ass t-shirt of another band when you play. Like yeah. wear just dress up a little bit. Like I'm not saying you have to look like you're going to a job interview or anything, but like whatever vein you're in, whether it's, you know, hard rock, rock and roll, yeah. like kind of explore what people are are wearing in that vein in, in that are dressing up. Yeah. Like, and dress up in that genre and it can be your own genre, but dress up yeah. in that genre. Like, yeah. Anyone I love to wear like Steph Curry jerseys and like sit around the house doing nothing. Yeah. But if I went and played a show in a Steph Curry jer- jersey, I'd feel like a complete asshole. Like, yeah, I, I think it's all about kind of respecting your audience and the fact that they came out um, to see you. And then kind of re- also respecting the sort of tradition of the performers dressing up like back when it was you know we're performing classical music or whatever it's like if you're playing beethoven you better be wearing a goddamn suit or you're an asshole to beethoven i don't yeah. know like it's it's uh beethoven's just spinning in his grave he's like yeah he's like how dare you Hiking wear boots, that? No. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know and it doesn't it doesn't really matter what you wear but like i i just like the idea that you you realize that like you respect your audience yeah. as the reason that you're on that stage. And exactly. You should, you should dress well, up. What, when we mentioned Steve Sage, I think well. the last one, but he used to tell like, he sent, he sent my guitar player home one time because he was wearing a t-shirt like to a performance. He literally sent his ass home. And uh, if you're in a punk band, wear a t-shirt. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Like it, that's the culture that's that, of it. That's that culture and that but genre. If you're playing at the, you know, what, what do we just play that? What, for Steve Sage, we played the Empress, which is like this beautiful yeah. theater. Again, you're respecting the theater. But here's what here's what it's Steve like, said specifically, and it resonated with me, and I think it's important to you know get out is outdress your audience. Oh it's yeah, it's that fucking easy. Just outdress yeah. your audience. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's not <laughs> it's not like you have to look like a complete like douchebag like shiny penny up there, but like, yeah, at least try, like, at least try to to to. To be a little bit put together. And to be like, to cover all the bases, like there's definitely exceptions to the rule. Um, Like if you're going to play hip hop music, you're going to dress that style. If you're yeah. going to play, if you're fucking um, Elliot Smith, you're probably going to wear a hoodie, you know, and some emo jeans. <laughs> Is that like, what he wore? I don't know. It, <laughs> I, but I'm just saying like, you, I, I'm not trying to like be elitist about, you know, as far as like cross-referencing like different types of music, but... Well, if you've made it to Elliot Smith's level, wear whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, wherever the fuck. But <laughs> you know, it's like not everyone's Elliot Smith. No, but there's something about like when you go see a live show, and they're dressed up like yeah. it's it's just like yeah. Um, I mean, like you can throw a t-shirt on if it's like a cool t-shirt, and like you also have like really nice shoes on and nice jeans on, and maybe yeah. some, you know, a nice guitar like. Maybe you could rock a t-shirt. Maybe you can pull it off. Who I knows? try to think about. I mean, it I've like, worn a, like at Mountain Vibe. I like wore a freaking tank top, but it was a nicer tank top. But it was also yeah. 100 plus degrees outside, so it kind of fit the the venue. You well, know? that's a that's a music festival. Yeah, everybody's. Yeah. But like, I try to think about it a little bit like a performance art, not. But it's it's kind of the whole picture of it. Well, that's kind of our background too. Is like we came from performance arts. Like we played in concerts since we were in fourth grade. And if you did not show up to a concert with black slacks and a white top. and a and a white top like a white you know collared shirt, it was right. sometimes, but it was also like all black. Like when we played jazz, it was like all black. Yeah, I was in jazz yeah. band too, and I was like and a black we were, collared we black. shirt. And yeah, and if you didn't show up like that, 
you know, you, or a choir. We were also in choir. Yep. You're also in drama and ugh, all that. In drama, stuff. you're obviously wearing a different costume, but is, the point is that there's something different that you're doing for that event, and and the way that you're dressing is important to that event. And yeah, yeah, it, you know, if you reach a level of fame and you can get away with just rolling out of bed and you know looking like a, a schlub, then that's great. Well, but and it's it's all part of the like we talked about it before with like. Uh, uh, hate to bring Jack White back in, but like with the white stripes, with like his color scheme, and he's kind of creating this whole little world. Well, he wore t-shirts, but he had yeah, the color scheme. He had a color scheme. He's yeah. creating this kind of like world and theme around his music that helps elevate the music. Yeah, because you're in a world. You're. It's like watching a play. You're like, oh my. You're like captivated by everything that's going on visually. Agreed. Yeah. As well as the music. Anyway, that's. Anyway, we've already like. <laughs> we'll get off our soapbox about the way people Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how to do anything. You no. can dress however you want on stage. I'm not, I just, that's, I, I, I like to think that I like to dress up for my audience yeah. because I feel honored that they're well, listening to the, me sing. The, the sad truth is, you know, the first impression is the most important impression. And, yeah. you know, 99% of the time when you get on stage, that's the first time that people register you as a thing. You know, yeah. in their world, they're like, oh, this is a thing that's happening in my world. Yeah. And if you like, this is a thing that's happening. That's so yeah. philosophical. It's like, well, but yeah, when you see an opening band, you've never seen and or heard them before at all. And they walk yeah. on stage and suddenly they're a part of your reality. Yeah. And so if, if they look like, uh, Hobbs. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a bad look. But, um, anyway, let's get to this next track. Uh, we kind of <laughs> went off on a super, soapbox tangent there about fashion but uh this one is off of lonesome as a shadow and you know this one was the hardest for us to pick a song because we love this album, album front to back so again his first album that he wrote there's no covers on this album none yeah none so yeah we had a hard time picking this song and i mentioned this album actually when i was talking about davy and the chains last week when i was like shimmy is one of the best albums of 2018 yeah and the reason i say one of the best albums is because you were thinking about you lonesome can't as a yeah shadow. lonesome as a shadow is like uh, it, it would for me it's probably the best album i've heard in 2018 that's awesome and that takes you know that's a lot to say so uh, anyway, this one's off Lonesome as a Shadow. It could have been any one of these songs, but we're going to play. Uh, They're all amazing. Yeah. Just listen to the whole thing, guys. <laughs> it's going to be Ain't Got a Worried Child, uh, written by Charlie Crockett. came out in 2018. Call me up, darling. I'll be there in a hurry. Ain't got to worry, child. Not for long. Got to get my belt together. I know there's a all of the darkness building up on me till I got to wonder how it's gonna go I've been out here drifting on the endless road call me up darling I'll be there in a hurry ain't got to worry child not too long call me up Make your mind. Tell me what you need, dear, and I'll make it so. 
the one I'm wanting Just thought you should know Call me up, darling I'll be there in a hurry Ain't got to worry, child me up, darling, I'll be there in a hurry, you ain't got to worry, child, not so long. Ooh, baby, it would so feel good to know I had your It ain't gonna never die You can't escape me now I wouldn't even try Call me up, darling I'll be there in a hurry Ain't got to worry, child Not so long Call me up, darling I'll be there in a hurry Ain't got to worry, child Yeah, so that one was recorded at uh, Sam Phillips in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I'm not sure when exactly it was recorded, but I think this whole album has just a great feel to it. Um, it's more like the mixture of his instrumentation. Like this one has keyboards, some horns again, which again is like a good blend of his Louisiana uh new orleans kind of stuff he always likes to throw in horns here and there which harkens back to the soul and the jug band stuff yeah but i think that the coolest thing about um lonesome as a shadow i think it's the culmination and we've talked about like you know the 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 things that make our music or our influences over the years and and the different we Frankenstein yeah, we together. Frankenstein <laughs> yeah, the music that you create is a Frankenstein version of so, all the songs you've ever heard and exactly. all the music you listen to. And and other stuff too, the the books you read and the and the relationships that you're in with people and the way that you are able to express yourself in real life and reality and then the way that you can write songs. Yeah, it's 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 a lot poetry for me was a big one. It's it's a lot of uh it's a lot of stuff mashed together. Yeah, so this kind of like is a great combination of his like country and western, his Bill Withers soul, mm-hmm. his, and then this album also has like more accordion in it. Yeah. So it's more of that Tejano like style, like uh, Mexican music that yeah. we were talking about. And this is the first album where he wrote all of the songs and he jammed all of these influences together, and it yeah. just is a great culmination of his progress and his yeah. process. Yeah. Anyway. I think I think this song is is a little maybe more soulful than in than his other ones on this album. And the the thing about his uh his originals um his whole songbook just everything that he does is so varied and so interesting and eclectic and all that. Um and and you look at that and you can look at that on one one side of the coin and say, "Oh, it's because he 
is doing a ton of covers over a ton of different genres. Yeah. But when I look at his original songs, um, like some of the ones on the In the Night album, some of yeah. the ones on this album, his original songs are written in all different types of genres as well. So he's really, he's not just going, okay, I love folk, country, blues, soul, yeah. and then I'm going to start writing my own music, and that all sounds really consistently the same. Yeah. He's still able to kind of jump around um, between these different exactly yeah so like i'll hear that song and i'm just like this sounds like lyric wise structure wise it sounds like an old classic but yeah but the beautiful thing about but it his, sounds new yeah but the beautiful thing about his personal composition is right. like when he does covers a lot of the time like in little gl's honky tonk jubilee right. jubilee he'll go full honky tonk and then when he's doing the blues right. bonanza he'll go full blues yeah and when he's and when he's doing like rock and roll or type stuff or uh driving nails in my coffin it'll be like oh, straight yeah. up jug band no, chung, 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 yeah. chung. But when he does his own music, he'll lean one way and he'll lean another way, but he won't go full on that way because well, yeah, he'll, he'll still have his, his own, own influence. Yeah, he's keeping his so, own uh, voice in there. Yeah, I think that's a super cool aspect of him. Yeah. Um, and this album is just killer front to back, in my opinion. And, and the other thing is, is like he, even though he's such a chameleon and he goes between all these camps and all these different genres, right. like. You, if you could tell a soul guy that he plays country music and he'll argue with you that he plays soul music, you know, yeah. it's, but he does both. Yeah. And the thing that's cool about Charlie Crockett is despite the fact that he's jumping between these genres and these drastic genres, right. Is he's, he still sounds and maintains his honesty and his authenticity. Yes. So he doesn't sound like, oh, now I'm doing honky tonk and now I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. No, he's and he, so authentically what he does every time. Yeah. And he, and that's, that's from his lifestyle living on the streets, um, growing up. The Which way he, did he did forever. He, he like, like did years. that until like, well, and then he would kind of, he talks he about coming that. back to Mendocino County, which is just North of us yeah, and living on, living on, living on pot farms and like working out songs there. And then he, he said at one point, I can't remember. I read, I like eight hours today. I was just listening to either Charlie Crockett's music or his interviews. So it's all, it's all just swimming in my brain. So I can't say what interview this was from, but he said something like, I feel like I'm from the country and the city because I've spent so much time in both. And I have to take a break from one and the other. You know, he said like uh, when he was up in Mendocino County, um, he'd be, you know, Mendo. he'd be up on the farms and the pot farms. And it's this really slow way Emerald of Triangle. life. Yeah. And he he played the this Ukiah open mic that he was talking about <laughs> or some shit. And I was like, oh, my God, that's right up there. Um, but he's like, I would, you know, that's a great um, um, culture and environment to kind of work songs out it's kind of a slow culture and then i'd go to the city and i'd kind of have some time to mend them together and then i'd go to the cities and just pound the pavement and play them and work and work and work and then i'd have to take a break from that and come back and then i have to t take a break from the country and go back to the city and i think all of us have maybe a little bit of that i have a little bit of that yeah i like cities and i like anyway so he talks about um talks about going back and forth and uh, but he really yeah when you say he's playing all these different genres gen genuinely it's it's he's lived he's lived in the streets of New Orleans he's lived in the streets of Paris he's um, yeah he said he was eating like all the donor kebabs which I I was telling awesome. you about have you, they're those oh I've had them yeah they're those kebabs yeah they're those like uh, <laughs> Turkish burritos basically yeah my, they're the fucking best <laughs> my like, old roommate was French and when I visited him in uh, in France in up in Lille in the north. Uh, he'd say, you want to get a kebab? 
<laughs> and I'm, I had no idea what he was talking like, do about. Do I ever? And, well, I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I was just like, yeah, let's get a kebab. And then we go, and I was like, oh, I'm such a dick. Like, it's like just this his is accent. a burrito. <laughs> kebab? Like, he said it's so cute. Is, yeah. Like, Francois is going to listen and be like, we don't talk like that. Sorry, Francois. Um, well, uh, again, our accents are <laughs> the worst. They're really bad. <laughs> the worst. Um, all of mine are just hearkening back to the Swedish chef, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Um, so, yeah, so it's all really genuine. So, I. Wait, no, I want to go back to the donor kebab. Are you oh, serious? They're so yeah. good. How can yeah. you just gloss that over? It's That's like, all I ate in France because they're cheap. They're cheap as hell. Yeah. And they're like the best things there. And you can get like some feta cheese on them. You get some like thin sliced red onion. Dude. You get that like super thin meat that they have. And then they press it like a panini. Yep. And it's just like melts in your mouth it's like like could you imagine if fast food was like that here like it's just not it's a different quality it's just a shitty quality of everything it's but just back cheaper there, yeah. it's a greed thing where it's like oh people like mcdonald's well let's make everything we're gonna get sued let's make everything <laughs> <laughs> let's make everything like the cheapest meat and the cheapest bread yeah. and the cheapest cheese and, and it's feed like, everything with corn and then, yeah, but there's oh, a yeah. new place that opened in Santa Barbara called Urkeb, and they they actually had donor kebabs, which was like oh shit since I'd come from Spain in like 2008 or whatever, yeah. and this is like nine eight years later. That was like the first time I had like a real corner or donor kebab oh, since yeah. then, and it was so just good. dude, and they're, they're so, so good. He was he was saying how he he ate um so much better in europe living on the streets than just he by, did. yeah just by virtue of the quality the quality of the, of the food and like yeah. the you know what he so he has a quote um this is from i think the mother church pew interview um he's talking about living in the streets and i love like i feel like not every musician can start playing on the streets and live on the streets and actually make it work no, and i think tough. the reason that he did is because he's he's a He's a really driven individual who doesn't have um, like any addiction issues or anything that a lot of musicians are plagued with. And so when he hit the streets, he was like, I got one thing on my mind and it's playing music. And no, he has a literally. Quote. He says he yeah, like, that's all he maybe does. Maybe you're reading this quote. I'll, Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him say it. Um, I was about to give another quote, but they're asking yeah. him about, I don't know, um, you know, living on the streets in some city. And he says, I didn't even mind sleeping in parks and busking. I was in my 20s and I'd wake up the next day. The sun was still shining. I wasn't hooked on drugs or anything. <laughs> the simplicity of the choices just kind of dawned on me. I was never too good at staying within the system. But he kind of had this freedom with it. Yeah. Like, And he wasn't just like a lot of people, like we talked about Christopher Denny. It's like musicians that are so talented, but they're fighting these like addiction issues. Yeah. And if they're on the streets, well, a lot they're going to fall people, back on uh, street, that. Street musicians, like because in Santa Barbara, there's a big... Uh, and I. It it sounds like a little bit, you know, insensitive and uncaring and unempathetic to call it like a homeless problem because that, there's that word problem, which has like a negative connotation. But it's like, oh, no, but when you live in it, like when you we live do, in like it, I did in Berkeley yeah. and you did in Santa Barbara, it's like, oh, this we have to do something. And it's a lot to, of to help these drug people, not, you know. drug addiction and yeah. drug addicted people that that need help, but they don't they don't mental maybe health they don't, issues. They don't have, yeah. And mental health issues. So and they don't really have any kind of way to to heal themselves because yeah. they have the mental health issue, they have the drug addiction, right. and then they don't have any money. So and then right. the way that our healthcare system is and it's all fucked, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there's places you can go, but you have to be sober to go there. Yeah. You know? So the thing about and they have no so, reason to be sober. Yeah. And a lot of the times <laughs> you like they're living on the street. Yeah. I get it. A lot of the time you see these, you know, street people, so to speak, and you you th you 
pigeonhole them like that. You're like, you are, you know, maybe a drug addict. Maybe you're crazy. You know, like, yeah. that's what you Try think. Try to label them in some but way. Charlie wasn't that, but he was, you know, essentially a street streets. person. Like, essentially. And but I'm sure he was this, also crashing on couches here and there. And like, like, he, I think he was a lot. And he said he would, like, you know, you, you stay with somebody until you've burned out your welcome and, like, that last, you know, thing falls through. But, I mean, the fact that he said he was on the subway eight to ten hours a day, like, he's working. Like he's he's maybe living on the streets or he's crashing on couches, but it's like he's got a nine to five playing music. Essentially, he's got a nine to five uh, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I almost said eight days a week, like the Beatles song. Eight <laughs> days a week, so much better. Playing music. <laughs> he um, would if he could. Like, he would if he, he could. Literally, he was that's pounding all he the wants pavement and playing and learning two hundred songs. Like at least I used to have a. Uh, <laughs> I used to work in San Francisco, at this shitty art gallery on Fisherman's Wharf and just sit in there bored all day. And uh, there was a there was a musician that used to play across the street, and I swear to God, he knew seven songs, and he would play all day long. And I was just like, "Buddy, I'm so sick of hearing that." Like, and yeah, he's the opposite of that. He's like, "No, if I'm playing in Austin, New Orleans, you know, I've these are the greats on the streets here. It's like these guys are they're gonna think I'm bullshit if I don't have all these in my utility belt. Dude, like there hundreds was a, of songs. <laughs> there was a guy in Santa Barbara who is the exact way like i used to work in downtown santa barbara in a soulless uh, a- aviation insurance company i actually really loved the people who worked there but did not love working in insurance and like i would just walk around downtown santa barbara every, right. every day yeah like i had work and there was this one street performer and he would always be singing that song that was like well, you only need the light when you love Burning it now. No, like, no Alex song? Dude, every time <laughs> I walked by him and I would just Snapchat him like to Colin, like every time I'd be like, look who it is. <laughs> look what he's doing. <laughs> Did you ever Snapchat Alec? Because that's his favorite no, song by Passenger. No, he used to humiliate us. Like he would, <laughs> <laughs> he would drive us around in his big ass BMW and like, he, he would play that song on repeat and we'd be stuck in his car just like hating life. In like downtown Berkeley. In like downtown Berkeley. And where like, there's hella people. And then and all of a sudden he'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he'd like put the window locks on and then he'd roll down all the windows and just blast it. And, and he'd look at like the people next to us and he'd go, have you heard this song? It's a great song. It's a great one. And, and we're just like, man, you only need the light. When it's live. burning low. Yeah, dude, I'm like, Oh lord! <laughs> it was humiliating, but uh, anyway. We're, <laughs> we, so but, um, but yeah, he he's he's the example of like the street performer that makes it because he's yeah. making it his job. Yeah, in a very serious way, not just like, I mean, I don't I don't know, but like he, I I just love that quote because he's just like, I didn't even mind. The sun was shining. I wasn't on drugs. <laughs> like everything was yeah. fine, you know. Um, and he d- he had this real freedom in front of him where he didn't have to go to well, the Well, he had a, I think job. maybe one of the reasons why he doesn't mess around with drugs at all is because I think that he lost his sister to drugs. He did. And he wrote yeah. that song, I Want to Cry. I Want to Cry. And once you hear, her. yeah, and once you hear that that's like what he wrote that song for, it makes it like so much more poignant. That might be my favorite. I think uh, it's my favorite my too. My favorite song on. Uh, I, I know we didn't end up hey. playing it. I know we didn't end up playing no, it. No, it's, it's a little too close maybe to me because, well, when we pick the it's songs a beautiful we want to play, song. also, we, we don't necessarily just pick our favorite songs. We try to think like, okay, how can we showcase this artist? Yeah. 
you know, and which songs can we play that show their real kind of spectrum of Damn, what I kind of wish we do. had now because it has that accordion in it too. Oh, Man, it's gorgeous. It. So it's the first song on Lonesome yeah. as a Shadow and it's like his debut album of like, this is all my original songs and he starts off with this like, just guts to the wall, like original, like, yeah. I mean, because you have to be really brave to write songs about your own experiences and then stand up and sing them in front of people yeah. um, and to, to take a real darkness like that, I can't imagine, I don't know. Um, and, and write a song about it is the hardest thing to do. Cause I, I, we can all write songs about fun stuff. Yeah. Well, you know? I, it's tougher but for me too. I used to do that for Azrael all the time. And then I looked back on it. You're trying to write about your deepest, and darkest emotions. I'm like, God, that shit is so weak. Like the, it's re- well, it's just really hard to translate like that. fun stuff. Like, no, I'm yeah. talking about fun stuff. Oh, like fun stuff. When I was trying to write like, like fun stuff, to Memphis. like, like that's a, yeah, that's funnish. I mean, the, yeah. the style is fun. The lyrics are. They could go either way, I guess. I mean, I guess it's kind of like, it's kind of like an a- an ask, I get like an mm. offer, like come come and I'll be right there for you, and we'll we'll have a jubilee. I was always wondering where the <laughs> where the fucking hallelujah came into it. I was like, why is there a hallelujah? Like they're talking I'll about like going dancing, right? He's just excited. I yeah, think okay. he's just real stoked. Oh, that's it. cute. Yeah, yeah. No, no it's like cute. That. But like those songs are fun to write. Like when we when we wrote like sweet soul music, I was like, this is a the chorus especially is it's kind of actually a sad song lyrically, but I think I it's know. a redeeming <laughs> song, Emily. I re- it's about it's about like turning your life around and uh, for a greater purpose, right? Because you you're, know you're I, searching for something greater than what you have at that moment. Searching for that sweet soul music, gonna cure your blues. Looking right. for that shining light, gonna see. So when I first started writing the verses of that song, um, actually, I was kind of writing it about people that uh, d- kind of, you know, how you get older and people kind of disappear that you used to know really well. Yeah. If you see him, say hello from an old friend. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of started off as a song about that. And then it's like a lot of people will leave town and move somewhere else and they're they're searching for maybe sweet soul music was like a metaphor for just like happiness or a better yeah, life. Yeah. That's what I and so whether that. or not it works, you know, because a lot of but us But that's like, not sad to me. That's um that's redeeming to me. It is redeeming. Um and then uh, Maybe it's sad for people who want to keep you in their pocket their whole life, but that's not happiness. No, it's no, it's not like that. It's it's just uh, yeah. like uh, well, it's just say, <laughs> it's the same plot as Bound for Glory. It's like wherever you go, like <laughs> it's our I, favorite plot. I don't always believe in moving when you want to make a happiness change, like moving to a different location. But I think it does work sometimes but i don't know maybe i guess that's a, about like maybe for a period but it yeah it's like you have to deal with what's going on inside um and maybe the move will help and there's a better opportunity out there uh but make sure you solve what's going on with yourself anyway all so. right for sure we got to get uh one more song in and then uh we'll talk a little more about charlie Ooh, are we doing <gasps> i'm excited <laughs> we're gonna do in the night by charlie crockett <laughs> Been losing to the man 
trying to kind of get a sense of it and uh i kind of i kind of read it two ways because he's saying in the night on my knees in the night in the dark and lonesome night um it starts off with uh you know i was dying in the dark i was hurting in the night i've been losing to the man trying to make him understand me so i think of like he's talking about the night uh it could be one of two things it could be one the actual night when he's out on the streets mm-hmm. and he's quote unquote losing to the man he's trying to make him understand me he's like hey, I'm just trying to play music I want to make it in this world yeah. how can I get everyone to hear me or whatever ow and uh, sorry <laughs> I just hit my arm and then uh, I gesture a lot I'm surprised I don't knock more things over um, and then but that. I was also thinking I was dying in the dark I was hurting in the night I, it might also be sort of a uh, euphemism for sadness or darkness or depression too like um, these you know in the, in the night, I was dying in the night. I was hurting in the dark or whatever. Well, you get um, your most depressed feelings at nighttime. I know I do. Oh, yeah. Seasonal depression is real because right now it gets dark at fucking 4.30. Yeah. I'll, wake <laughs> up at, I'll, I'll wake up at like 2 o'clock and, you know, I'll be I'll be alone in my bed in the dark and lonesome yeah. night. And I'll be like thinking about shit. And I'm like, God damn it. Why am I doing this? Why, you know, you, yeah. you maybe sh- think you should be doing things yeah. differently. And well, you're alone with your thoughts. Yeah. And there's not a lot of distractions except that there's you have none. to go to sleep. Um, and, you know, he. So I was trying to understand what he was saying. And I finally found online somebody wrote the lyrics and they say, um, I hope this is right. Um, you know, these days get insane situation going grave on my knees in the night. So maybe, you know, we know that he lived on the streets as a street musician. Um, and he, we had a quote earlier, earlier where he's like, you know, I wasn't on drugs and the sun would shine every day and I felt good. Maybe this is those 
kind of the darkest kind of him hitting the darkest feelings of the that where it's points. like what if i don't make it or what if yeah. i don't get you had a really inspirational or... quote that you read me earlier oh i'm trying to find it um, um oh about uh about yeah so oh, yeah, here here's what uh on take so have this it? is from the up? mother church pew interview and it's one of the greatest things i've ever read from a musician um about just taking taking that plunge and taking that dive like we talked about with like liz cooper moving to nashville and drop out of college or like whatever that means for you like deciding like fuck this like i'm quitting this job i'm gonna be a musician full-time and uh and he says so i'll quote this uh i've learned that when you do stuff like this you're going to get a million people who want to tell you that you're heading down a road that leads nowhere i learned what i learned is that it doesn't lead to nowhere actually it leads to this really amazing place it doesn't matter what anybody else says you know if you just keep doing it it moves from the impossible to the inevitable if people don't understand your plan as long as you do and you, as long as you do and you know it's the right thing to be doing it's going to work out impossible to inevitable isn't that great that's awesome he's he's really inspirational not only just really in his is. work ethic but yeah. his living by that example like him him actually doing that and actually going for it in the way that yeah. he knew how to do it well impossible to the inevitable get any changes handouts, when you that's for sure when you work your it's anything it's if you want to be a nba player it's if you want to be you know, really good at anything and you go, hey, my dream is to be the next, you know, Steph Curry, if you, impossible becomes inevitable when you work harder than anybody else. Yeah. And that's what he was doing. Gotta be the hardest working band. You gotta be the hardest working person in show business. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Oski has been harassing us. Yeah, that's he our, keeps that's on my lap. cat. Yeah. <laughs> he was sat in my lap and I, and I was, and he was like, he does this thing where he like throws his paw onto my laptop. Like, <laughs> like trackpad and he starts pawing it like he knows what he's doing he likes the lights he just fucks everything <laughs> up and then <laughs> and so i threw him and off it's warm me. i get it and then he goes over to emily and tries to do the same thing and it's like dude oski yeah. leave us alone and then he dude. was like trying to chat you know he's always trying to yeah. chat he's like, like yeah he's got this really gravelly voice he'd be a great <laughs> singer if you were human <laughs> he's half siamese and the siamese cats like to like to chat they like to talk yeah. um so anyway yeah i love that quote because impossible to inevitable it's true. Like if you, yeah, if you have a dream, let's get real cheesy. Do if it, you have um, a dream, do it. like it's going to become inevitable that when you do, who is it that says like a thousand hours? Oh, our dad always references that quote. Yeah. Like if you spend a thousand hours, you can be an expert. Is it a thousand? I feel like it's more than 10, a thousand. It's a lot. It's a lot of hours. hundred thousand hours? A million hours. <laughs> no, I, now I want to see what you come up with. But it's like if you spend this much time just the unglamorous part of it. Like he spent so much time just, like he said, eight to 10 hours a day, like playing it's in the ten, streets. Oh, 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Yeah. Sorry. I knew a thousand sounded short. I was like, dude, I'm Who said an that? expert at everything. Say? Or it just, I don't know. There, there's too much shit. No, it's fine. Um, it Maybe Michael Cunningham. That's like the first thing that pops up, but I don't even know. We'll, I don't even we'll know try who to is. give credit where credit is due, but whatever. But it's, I think uh, our dad made it. I yeah. think our dad made it up. Fuck Let's you, Michael that. Cunningham. <laughs> and, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> wow. Coming in hot. But yeah, it's like you spend all those... It's the unglamorous hours. Like we talked about before, like last night I was running that song that I'm playing guitar on next week. I ran it like 20 times like in my kitchen. <laughs> like it's very unglamorous when you're just practicing or you're just playing... Like he was basically practicing in front of an audience every day, which is even, even heavier and like, 
Yeah. Like like a real education. They called it like a working education or something. I can't remember. Oh, I, I heard a great quote. I was listening to the on the on the no, it was uh, the it was a podcast with like a bunch of NBA players and there was actually this is the third time we talked about him, Steph Curry and Andre Godala yeah. and a bunch of people. And uh they were talking about like it takes years to become an overnight success. And I thought that was a it takes years to become an overnight. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, Cause it's like, cool. yeah, you just heard about this person, mm-hmm. but they've been working behind the scenes in this very unglamorous way for years. Yeah. For I mean, years, I mean, Steph yeah. Curry also said we didn't go in the, to the moon in that interview. So you gotta take I, it. Okay. So <laughs> you gotta take it with a grain of, here's what I'll say. Grain of salt. I think that that video is total bullshit i'm sorry it might be, i dude. think it is it i just think be. it's i just think we didn't have the technology to do that yet and we you I know think we i love i think we faked Emily. it i'm sorry i think we faked it i think we went to the moon i think sure, we went to the moon yeah but i don't think that, that video is us on the moon yeah i i know that's a very controversial i don't opinion, think it's that controversial there's a lot of people saying it there's a lot of people saying it, but the video is for sure sketch how did we have a camera at that point that could like be in that environment I don't and know be working. I just don't. I don't know th- if don't the camera's know. a smoking gun or the waving flag. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no man. I don't want to sound like super ignorant because I already get drawn into conspiracy theories too much. I'm not like. No, There's like I, a lot that I don't believe in, obviously. But like when I was growing up, I really wanted like the Loch Ness monster to be real and like yeah. Bigfoot to be real and aliens to be real. And then I got aliens drawn into like <laughs> they have to be like mathematically <laughs> totally they have real. to be. But then there's like the JFK, you know, conspiracy, oh, yeah, which I think great. if you're talking about conspiracy theories, it's probably the most questionable one, like Def- whether or not Dude, it's true or not. The Robert Kennedy thing is Robert really, Kennedy is sketch too. Really sketch. How many? And we already talked about. We already talked about Hendrix. Yeah, we can't. We can't. And like go Marley, into it, but but I mean, everyone was getting killed back then. Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. Not and uh, so I get drawn into these conspiracy theories, like way too readily so if you're like telling me like <laughs> hey man we didn't really go to the moon i love like reddit was like all over it today reddit was like the best proof we went to the moon russia didn't even say we didn't go to, we didn't you know we russia didn't even say that we didn't go to the moon oh they didn't even try to challenge so if it. russia didn't say that then of course they're like if there's any and i was like well it's not like i think that we went to the moon i'm not saying i don't think we went to the moon what i think it's some of we the need- propaganda surrounding right. it might have been manipulated or like why did we need- <laughs> i think at the time it's like okay how do we prove that we did it though well we need film okay but we can't we can't make it up there so we'll just make i i just yeah. see it. it's very easy to imagine that that's what happened. our brother's just screaming at his I'm radio sorry, right Alex. Now. <laughs> he's like, he's just like novices what are he's you like, talking am I related about <laughs> can we do a ch- can we do a 23 and me can we do a 23 and me <laughs> Anyway, we're we're gonna cap this podcast off pretty soon. Uh, Radio Keys has two dates coming up. Uh, the Ham Jam, the Holiday Ham Jam at Vinny's in Concord, is one of the big Christmas events of the year in our local community. For uh, for so we play a festival every year that Tom helps put together, Mountain Vibe Music Gathering in July or sometimes it's in August or, but um, I think it's always in July, right? I feel like. Once or twice it's fallen on my birthday, but I, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, so they have a, obviously the festival in July. It's been up in Willsieville the last couple of years. Beautiful. And then, Blue, Blue Mountain Events Center. And then Beautiful. they'll have, you know, throughout the year when we're not at that festival, um, to sort of remember how much we love it, they have, <laughs> they have uh, events using some of the bands from that festival in town 
uh, which most of us are from Concord. So we're doing the Holiday Ham Jam, which is like their little Christmas show for this festival. And that's on December 21st. December 21st. And that's with our, our good friends in Overland who are, are really awesome dudes, like the nicest dudes. Again, we've talked about how so like great. we uh, walked around from camp to camp. Uh, at Mountain Vibe. At Mountain Vibe, trying to get to know people. And like, they were just. Most people are friendly at Mountain Yeah, Vibe. most it's people 99% are. 99% just a love fest. And then every once in a while, it's like, you know. There's someone who's like fucking that's on any, too many drugs. Yeah, that's any music like, festival. Well. But yeah, a part. But Overland, there were some of the yeah. nicest guys that. Uh, oh, we hung out at their camp for like ever. And they're just. And we just are very. They're simpatico very in yeah. terms of the music that we listen to yeah like i know that schmitty listens to charlie crockett oh, like we were... i know for a fact that he me he and does. uh because he commented on vince's oh, when really? vince said that we went to petaluma to see charlie crockett like like schmitty was like dude charlie crockett's fucking dope i can't remember but <laughs> i imagine oh, it was great. something oh he said how was he like he knew who he was basically. Yeah. yeah and then i i was talking to jeremy and cole i think about the Strokes' first album for like forty-five minutes. Is this it? <laughs> like we, just, like I mentioned something or he mentioned dude, something, just, and I was like, "Dude, I can't." Uh, like we have to talk about this. Album. I just saw the the European it. release of their album cover for "Is This It." Have you seen that? The naked lady. Oh, yeah. It it, it <laughs> reminded me of uh uh what? God damn it! What's that mockumentary? A uh, Spinal Tap. It reminded oh, me of Smell the Glow. Little, <laughs> Dude, it's a little... Um, it reminded me of I that. I can't really visualize it, but I remember being like, oh, Europe is so much more fun than us as far as no, like, it was too visual risque, content. Too risque. <laughs> but anyway, we're playing with Overland. They're headlining the show. We're going to play third. Uh, in, dude, in, we have so many in friends. Rossmo in in Rossmore. Rossmore. We're basically studio buddies with them. We basically... We don't share a studio with them, but we, we rehearse in the same studio. Right. So. We hang out with those. And we, we've known Patrick for like 10 years. I used to do open mics with him at Time Out in Concord when we were 21 yeah, years April old. Yeah, April and I were friends with him when, I think yeah. it was either when he was just starting to play guitar or anyway, I've seen him come so anyway. far. And then our friends in Mama Foxy and the Whiskey Gypsy Rebels. And Mama Foxy is basically the band that I went on tour with, with a few <laughs> extra people. It's like Anna, Shane... Who are like Bobby two Blades. people that I go way back with, and yeah. Bobby Blades, who I go Vince way back is with. Vince is not in it. it. Joey's in I it. I always think. I think he played with them at Mountain Vibe, though. And Nancy's in it. Nancy's in it, and then Ashley's Vince the lead did singer. Not, I don't think Vince played with them at Mountain Vibe, but um, yeah, yeah. She's a little killer, huh? Oh, she's like? incredible. I was talking to Aaron at <laughs> Donkey and Goat. I was like, I hate following that band because I'm just yeah. like, God damn, her voice is yeah. out of control. Yeah. Like They're she's so the only person good. she covers. Uh, she covers that Chris Stapleton song, Tennessee Whiskey. And, it's and most like, times you just cringe when you hear someone trying to cover yeah, that. Yeah, because I'm like, you can't do those runs like, you're as well. And he does all those crazy yeah. runs. And she just, I saw her do it at Mountain Vibe and I just got fucking chills. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. So anyway, so they're, they're one opening. Of the only bands I've ever seen do it do it justice. They do every cover and that everyone they, in their do, fucking they do, they tries to cover that song, but they actually And do they it shouldn't, but yeah, well. they should. Like she yeah. takes it, she makes it her own and she it's uh she's a killer, dude. So yeah, it's Mama Foxy opening and then it's Rossmore and then it's Radio Keys and then it's Overland. It's going to be a phenomenal show. It's and like 4 days before Christmas, so I feel like yeah. people are in town. It's cold. They want to like drink and with fun. their friends. It's going to be a lot. On of fun. top of that, um it's a it's a cheap show. It's $10 recommended donation, but it's also a no one will be turned away at the door policy. Oh yeah. Because of lack of funds. Yeah. Maybe maybe if you're an asshole you'll get turned away, but if you don't have money, you you can still come in. Yeah. And we just want people to join the party, we want people to feel part of the community, and we want people to enjoy the music and see the music. So yeah. 
there's that. And then right after that, we have a show in Bolinas um, yeah. at Smiley's, the Smiley Schooner, Schooner Saloon. Schooner and Saloon. Schooner Saloon opened up by <laughs> Captain Morgan in 18 whenever. Um, it's no. definitely going to be haunted, that might is not. what I will say. Yeah. And that's um, uh, on the 23rd. So. Yeah. That's on a Sunday night. It's the day before Christmas Eve. So I'm hoping all the locals in Bolinas will... We'll uh we'll want we'll feel a little merry and feel like coming yeah. out and drinking and hearing some music. So yeah, and Radio Hopefully. Keys also has some super exciting news that we have to keep in our pocket for now, but it's a little it's bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> a little bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> we're really excited about it and we're hoping that it comes to fruition. But uh I guess we just wanna, you know, say thank you for listening and of course thank you to Charlie Croc and his team for letting us do his his uh, material because we've been itching to do this and like we sent them probably like five or six follow-ups as politely as possible like you said it was the first original podcast you recorded of this and then you came over to my house and we did one together and it's like oh let's let's go with this and but this was the first one yeah i mean i've been original i've been obsessed with charlie for pretty much the entire year yeah so i i was so happy to finally get the green light to do it um but anyway, uh, we're going to play one more song, and it's a cover tune. Oh, it's, and by it's a good a, one. Originally by a guy named uh, George Jones, a a.k.a. Guy. The Possum. Don't say, <laughs> how dare you say a guy? This is a legendary a George gentleman. Jones. Gentleman. Um, oh, my God. But it was from written, Texas. Yeah, too. written by Don Rollins, performed by George Jones, became a hit in 64. Um, it's a, pretty much a country staple and uh it's a really fun written song um because it's like it's like narrating a race like a drag race or a car race but it's talking about like his emotions so it's like my heart's coming in and the (laughs) (laughs) it's about it's about like high stake it's about like trying to court a girl but you're up against another dude which happens yeah like every friday and saturday night for most dudes like you're like most single dudes hopefully And anyway, uh, this one's called The Race Is On. So um, thank you again for listening. We're Radio Keys, and we're going to keep searching for that sweet soul music. I feel tears welling up cold deep inside like my heart's sprung a big break. And a stab of loneliness, sharp and painful, more than I can take. You might have thought I was taking it hard when you broke it off with a call. But don't you wager I'm going to hide my sorrow. My break right down and ball. Now the race is on and it comes right up the backstretch Heartaches cut through my inside My tears are holding back Trying not to fall My heart's out of the running To love scratch for another sake Now the race is on and it's looking like heartache And the winner gonna lose it all And love never was suspecting what the final result will be And I live in fear, waking up each morning Finding that you're gone for me As an aching pain in my heart for the day Was the one that I hated to face Somebody new come up to win her And I ended up in second place Now the race is on and it comes right up the backstretch Heartache cut through my inside 
tears are holding back Trying not to fall My heart's out of the running Two loves catch for another's sake Got a races on and it looking like heartache And the winner gonna lose it all 